0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck wads? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I'm broadcasting from a hotel room in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so far, this room is great. I don't know why. It's got a lot of charm. It's kind of fun. There's a record player in the room. There's also a ukulele in the room. Uh, which I've never seen before. I've never been to a hotel with a ukulele in the room. I feel like now that I've mentioned it, I should probably pick up the uke and uh, and give it a whirl. Hold on. I don't think it's an in-tune uke. <laughs> I should have done a little more preparing before I started the show. So I went to Cleveland And uh, met up with Dean Del Rey, and we've been fucking laying it out, doing the shows. It's been great. Before I get into that, maybe I should tell you that Ashton Kutcher is on the show today. Ashton Kutcher. He's got the final season of his show, The Ranch, streaming on Netflix. But he's one of those guys where I'm like, everyone seems to be okay with Ashton Kutcher. People not only are are okay with Ashton Kutcher, they, they generally like him. People I've talked to, uh, also you know, his wife I spoke to. Obviously, she had nice things to say about him. But everybody in general seems to like him. And it turns out I liked him. And you'll get to hear our conversation. If you're looking for, I don't, there's not a lot of dirt on Ashton Kutcher. But uh, decent guy, bright guy, good conversation coming your way. That is happening. Oh, there goes my timer. Trying to wake up from my nap, so I meet the Dean in Cleveland. I rent the car, got a Jeep Compass, a white one. Head out to the hotel. Cleveland's Cleveland. Cleveland's a little. Uh, I don't know what you. I I can't get a sense of it. I don't want to judge it. All I know is that Dino and I had a great fucking show at the Agora Theater. Well, we went to Jonathan Sawyer's place, the Greenhouse uh, Tavern, and it was fucking nuts, man. I you know I didn't. Like It took me two days to recover from uh, eating there in, in a good way. I've not been able to eat all day for all three days. But the show that night was great. And then the following night, we drove five hours. Nice conversations. Dean got me, uh, I don't know what. He, he doesn't drink coffee. Uh, he drinks decaf coffee. And we're stopping at Dunkin' Donuts. And I can't resist that shit. So I'm all fucking jacked up on dunkin donuts coffee my fucking brain is on fire and i'm plowing just on the road with my you know eyes bugging out of my head from two or three dunkin donuts coffees and this is like i guess it was yeah this was the following day this was the day after the senate chose to uh, vote on whether or not america would be a minority rule authoritarian country uh, beholden to an autocrat. And we were all wondering how that vote would play out. Would we, you know, on Saturday be an authoritarian country with minority rule beholden to an autocrat? Or would uh, democracy struggle on and and try to uh, act within the uh, constitutional and judicial processes of, of a democratic country? And we chose authoritarianism, I, not me, but those people who chose those senators and those people who choose to be uh, mind fucked into believing a single source of information that is limited and false and also to believe a lying sack of shit of uh, presidents. So, so that's where we're at now is now this sort of slow adjustment to uh, autocracy Uh, authoritarian construct I mean obviously many of you will get exactly what you need and what you have been getting and be okay but but that's where we're at and I you know I'm not being condescending or glib uh, but you know I what can I do I'm not going to freak out we'll have a vote in November we'll see how that goes Uh, perhaps it'll get even worse can always get worse might get better but I'm just trying to adjust to that without a complete spiral But we drove on Friday from Cleveland to Grand Rapids. Nice drive. Jacked on coffee, as I said. And I was concerned about the Fountain Street Church, or maybe I made you guys concerned. But uh, we sold nicely, over 1,000 tickets, a big, beautiful place, one of the largest pipe organs I've ever seen in my life. Apparently, uh, many years ago, it was a Baptist church. but For the last almost 100 years, it's been sort of a Unitarian situation, uh, a kind of a, more a church uh, dedicated to uh, education and opening minds as opposed to necessarily a religious type of thing, liberal Christianity, kind of uh, broad, but also a place where speakers and bands have been coming to uh, expand the minds of uh, humans for for you know, decades. I mean, the place has hosted... Winston Churchill, Eleanor Roosevelt, Amelia Earhart, Robert Frost, Malcolm X, Robert Kennedy Jr., Angela Davis, Margaret Atwood. It's crazy. Farrakhan, Christopher Hitchens, musicians like Dave Brubeck, Stan Kenton, Ella Fitzgerald, Duke Ellington, B.B. King, Frank Zappa, the MC5, Richie Havens, and Bo Burnham. That's where it lands. And Chris and Tiffany Haddish. But uh, quite, quite uh, a legacy to be part of, quite a place to uh, to stand and, uh, and, and feel the, uh, the intensity of being in a large church, the nice sound bounce, and it does make a difference, and I definitely preached the gospel of me, and there was definitely some religious-themed uh, bits that kind of resonated in a deeper and more uh, exciting way, being delivered from the pulpit of a large church the way it should be. I had a very nice-sized congregation. It was a very passionate service, and I'm glad many people came to witness and laugh, and we had a great show over there. We drove another uh, four hours from uh, Grand Rapids to Milwaukee. More Dunkin' Donuts coffee. There are some more dates coming up I wanted to get, get you hip to. Orlando, Florida, I'm at the Hard Rock Live on February 14th, then Tampa, Florida at the Straz Center, February 15th. Portland, Maine at the State Theater, February 20th. Providence, Rhode Island at Columbus Theater, February 21st. New Haven, Connecticut at College Street Music Hall, February 22nd. And Huntington, New York at the Paramount, February 23rd. Go to wtfpod.com slash tour for links to all the venues. Okay? All right, then. So... There's something else I want to tell you. Um yeah, I think this will be more exciting for you Marvel fans. I got an email uh from somebody who is um may I don't know if me telling you about this is gonna ruin it. Uh here, I'll just read it to you. Subject line cameo in Amazing Spider Man. This might be a bit of an odd way to reach out as we don't actually know each other, even though I see you quite a bit. I'm a huge, huge fan, and not just of the podcast, but as a front row regular at your shows here in Los Angeles at the Comedy Store, Dynasty Typewriter, and Ice House. You've been my favorite comedian for years, and whenever you show up on a local schedule, my girlfriend and I are nearly always there. I was heartbroken to be out of town for work when you did the taping at Red Cat after seeing that material getting worked on for so long and enjoying it so much Can't wait for the special, though. Anyhow, in addition to being a fan, I'm also the writer of the amazing Spider-Man comic at Marvel. And I was wondering if you'd be interested in making a cameo appearance in the book. I know superheroes are not really your bag, so I won't bore you with the details of the story. But basically, Spider-Man, oh, I don't want this is a spoiler. This is a spoiler. Oh, I'm not going to tell you that part. Uh, but, 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 but we just need permission to use your likeness. Apparently there's a form for that. If you're up for it, I've attached what it would look like on the page. Like I said, I know superheroes aren't your thing, but maybe you'd see this as a fun little bit of comic book immortality. Yes. I mean, Hey, he said Letterman did it. Just let me know either way and keep up the great work. Uh, yes, Nick, I, I, I'm in, I'm in, I, you know what? I should probably email you back. Um, so that's exciting, right? Marvel fans, right? Comic book fans. Isn't it exciting that I'll be in a Spider-Man comic book? I'm sure you're thrilled. Come on. You've got to be thrilled. So wait. So the last time I talked to you, I had not had my last day on the Aretha Franklin movie. That one really, I, I you know, something really shifted in me around acting and around doing that movie. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the director. Lizelle Tommy, who I think is, you know, was really doing detailed work to make this thing uh, look great and sound great and, and kind of pop. And Jennifer Hudson was just uh, such a pro, and Marlon Wayans and everybody else I worked with on there. I, you know, I, I wasn't around enough to really feel like totally part of the family. It was people who were shooting it day in and day out for months on end, but certainly it was a great experience. And the last day, we shot in a big church. Uh, it was we they recreated the Amazing Grace concert. We had all these you know background players, just a full church of people, a full congregation, doing the thing that you do in a church, um, a black church particularly. And uh, it was a, it was a pretty exciting last day. And when they rapped, they said goodbye to me, and everyone applauded, and it was felt nice. And I immediately went and shaved my fucking face. I shaved that Jerry Wexler beard right off of my face. Man, do I feel better. And I've just got my soul patch and my stash again for now and very long hair. And that, and the soul patch and the hair will go when we start taping Glow in uh, March. So Ashton Kutcher, as I mentioned, smart guy, good guy, surprising conversation. Uh, his show, The Ranch, it's, it's the last season, is now streaming on Netflix. And this is me talking to Ashton in my house you want to move the mic in a little so you do can, I need to move it Well, just or you can move towards it or whatever just so you're up on it a
1: little I have a little cold so I don't want the next guy to get
0: that's all right that? Is you that know okay? you, yeah it's good it's a risk that we all run with a little cold okay do you
1: all have right. kids how old's your kid had a three-year-old and a five-year-old oh
0: so you, you're always sick i'm a
1: it's a petri dish <laughs> in my house it's just, it's just insane and they go to the daycare and it's like they just like throw up on each other all day and then they come home and it's like then they're just like you know like my son legitimately yeah. we put him to bed last night yeah. and and he comes out and he's like I threw up, and it's just like vomit all over the carpet. And I'm sitting there with like a Dyson vacuum cleaner trying to suck up his vomit off the carpet last night. It's really glamorous our life.
0: What what is
1: the what is what, they just throw up, kids? They just throw up and sh- shit and pee all over the place. Man, is that like that?
0: Sounds like it's easier to control a dog of some kind.
1: I mean, kind of. Do you have dogs? Yeah. I mean, but but I grew up with dogs. I'm I'm from Iowa. Mm. So, like, where I grew up, you keep your dogs outside. Right. So, wait, what part of Iowa? Like, around Cedar Rapids, Iowa City. Oh, yeah. So, did you grow up on land? Well, I grew up in Cedar Rapids, which is like the second biggest city. Yeah. Yeah. And then my parents got divorced when I was uh, 13 or something. My mom moved out to the country and she's like, you're coming with me. And so I ended up moving out to like a farm. That's a heavy time to get the divorce uh,
0: news, 13.
1: Yeah, it was you know, I have a twin brother and he had a heart transplant around like that time and Oh my god, I, I, think, he... I think it was just like really hard on like the whole thing and Oh, then, so yeah. that that happened before the divorce? Uh yeah. Like right around the same How's time. How's he doing I mean, now? He's great. Yeah. He with did... the
0: same the, with the new heart? Yeah, yeah. From when he was a kid?
1: Yeah. He, That's it, crazy. At, at the time he was the youngest person ever to be put on an artificial heart. Um, it's an artificial heart. Well, he had an artificial heart in the hospital because yeah. his heart failed. He had a cardiomyopathy where, like, basically the it's like a virus that starts to attack the heart and break down the cardio yeah, the cardiac yeah. tissue, and so he had holes in his heart. And so they put him on an artificial heart. And at the time, he was the youngest person ever to be put on an artificial heart. Yeah. And then it was like I, I was in the room with him, and it failed, uh, and they <sighs> kicked me out of the room. And within like, in, I mean, he had like 12 hours to yeah. go or something. And then he got moved to number one on the list for heart transplants. and he got a heart and he's now, he, I mean, we're 41 and he's he lives in Colorado as a son. Really? And yeah. He's engaged to get married. Yeah, he's, That's he's amazing. So we,
0: So, but when they do that, when they have, when they get a, a heart for a kid that age, does that, does the heart have to be that age?
1: No, it well, it, it was I my I, they don't really tell you oh. who where the heart comes right. from, right? But I think it's it's a it's just about size, right? Uh-huh. So I think he got a heart from a woman in Florida somewhere. That's so wild, yeah, it's crazy.
0: And does he does he still have to take pills for the
1: uh, anti rejection pills? He yeah, does, yeah, his whole life. His whole life, yeah, because basically you you now you put a, a foreign object in your body, so right. it's actually really similar to like a lot of autoimmune diseases, yeah, where your body sees a part of your own body as a foreign a object and yeah. starts to attack it, yeah. So uh, it's 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 virtually the same thing. So they 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 give them uh, you know that's Auto reject. That's uh, amazing that uh, he uh, lived and everything's all right. It's incredible. And you guys are close. Uh, we were really close when we were young. Yeah that thing sort of took us a little bit further apart because we he was in the hospital for like a year basically so you were out in the country with your mom and he's in the town uh i was with my dad and i was with you know various people and you know it was like wherever they could get, get have me while this was taking place you know uh and then, right and then it, and then like through the years like he moved to i, I moved out i moved to new york when yeah. i was 19 he lives in Denver now. we We yeah. just kind of, my sister's down in Louisiana, so our family's kind of all over the country. How many are there of you guys? Three of us. Oh, so that's it. Yeah. It's with the my, kids. Yeah, and then my parents are in Iowa. and They're both still there. Yep. still divorced from each other. Yeah. yeah. Both, both remarried. Yeah. They were great people. Great. But
0: when you moved to the country, was it a big scene, a big farm kind of situation or what?
1: Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I went from like that's where we started. The dogs outside. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went from <laughs> I went from the city, yeah. uh, and then we moved to the country. And you know, and there's a little bit of you know when you go into that, there's a little bit of attitude of like, you know, you're yeah. not really a yeah. country kid, right? You know? Yeah, so, yeah. And so there was, it was like that.
0: I had a car. You drove like,
1: around the city. F- yeah, you're like fourteen, yeah. fifteen. And you gotta yeah. like prove yourself. Yeah. And so you gotta fight somebody in order, to like. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, well, it's kind of yeah. It's like you have to like just gotta get, get go. Disaster. This I got a is my dance it. space. This yeah. is your dance space. Yeah. Don't come into my dance space, and I'm not coming into yours. So you
0: moved to the country, and well, it's a smaller school? And you just got right in there and kicked some guy's ass and set
1: him here. And I I, I started playing football and like oh, yeah. you know, and then got like you know just started like yeah, and then got in a couple fights and this and that. And got do you and fight one. now? I I do jujitsu, but I don't fight. Mm. Like I, I, like, I when was the last fish fight you got into?
0: Do you have that instinct in you? Because no, no, I don't. No. You know, some people do. It's not I, my first thought.
1: Yeah, my dad. My dad. When I was young, my dad was like, you know, we we came from like a pretty Christian Catholic family. Yeah, and it, was like, it turned the other cheek. Right. Um. And, you know, I, I remember like being a kid and like getting punched and just being like, I, I just <laughs> keep walking. Uh. And then you know, and then you get older and you build up to enough frustration and then you fight for for a while. I was like, I I fought. Yeah, and then I just realized like this is stupid. Right, well that's good. This this, this you know can really hurt somebody, and yeah, yeah there's just kind of no point. Yeah, I mean, I like I like doing jujitsu. I was a wrestler when I was a kid, um, and on it, a that, team. Yeah, and that was my that was my sport when I was young, and and I really didn't have an outlet for that. Yeah, and, and I actually like if I'm pissed off, it's like nice to go do some jujitsu, and then you feel fine afterwards. You know, you, are you good to- at it? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I I, I, I concede. Yeah. So it's like if somebody's like are you, are, you, are you better than me? I'm like no, you're better than me. You win. We let's we don't need to fight. There's no there's you, you win. So who do you then who do you fight? Just I, people who are
0: at your level? I mean, I spar
1: with, yeah. with 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 folks. Yeah. My coach brings me people to spar with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then and that's no competitions, no. I,
1: I, no. <laughs> no I, I don't need to do that.
0: So all right, so here you are, you're out on the farm, you're you're growing up in Iowa. Your your has got problems. Your sisters, was she lost in the mix somewhere?
1: Yeah, my sister basically sort of lone wolfed it, and like you of, older or younger? Older. Oh. Yeah. she's like a, a couple years older than us. And
0: now, were you, were you like, uh, were you like an angry kid outside of the fighting? Did you push back? Did you rebel? Did you get in trouble? What the fuck happened?
1: No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I what, like rebelling in Iowa is like I smoked a joint, right? <laughs> yeah, so right. yeah, I, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then. Uh, and then I, um, I, I was actually a really good student. Did you know? Just yeah. Sort of straightened, narrowed it. And then my senior year, my cousin and I broke into the school. And oh I was, yeah. Uh, I think I read about. I this. got a, I got a deferred judgment on a felony offense for third degree burglary.
0: What was the intent? What were you going for? Just to steal some shit. I yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, like, we were
1: just poor and wanted some money.
0: Yeah, like we're going to go to the lab, yeah. get some exactly. <laughs> Get so some Bunsen
1: burners. It's a five-disc CD exchanger in yeah. there. We can, you know. And then my cousin, like, <laughs> stabbed some scissors in a soda machine, like, trying to... I'm like, what are you doing? Dude? Like, you, you can't get the change? Like, what are we going for here? So
0: you're just, like, half-assed, you're know, trying to rob yeah. a school yeah, and you it's get happy.
1: busted? Yeah, we. I mean, it was, it was funny. So, uh, uh, well, it's not funny. It was stupid. Yeah. Um. But uh, we, we were... I, I was dating the principal's daughter at the time. Really? Yeah. So that's that's probably not good. So this compounded the issue. He didn't like you, right? No, he did like me oh. until this happened, <laughs> and then he was like, because I I come almost directly from their house, met up with my cousin, and yeah. then we went and ha- I I knew how to pick locks, and so I picked it the lock. Sounds like he could just stole the fucking keys. Why well, didn't from
0: the old man? I
1: just pick, I just right. picked the lock. Oh, and that's and good. Can then you then, still do that? pro maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I've mean, okay. I mean, I've really kept up on my lock picking skills.
0: They're tougher locks now. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. The, uh, I mean, if it was a digital lock, I could probably figure it out now.
0: <laughs> you got,
1: you've got, you've got connections. Yeah, well, you've got to have. You've got. You've probably invested in an app which will pick a digital lock. Yeah, pretty exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if not, I'll find one. <laughs> right. So so we went. um and we got, we were in the school, we were kind of like walking around and, it, and honestly, we were like, you know, my cousin wanted to get his test from the next day right. so he would could cheat on the test. Yeah. We, I mean, we really weren't doing anything. Right. And we didn't know there were silent alarms in the school. And I look out the window and I see a car pull into the parking lot. It was like one in the morning or yeah. something. And I was like, this is, that's weird. Like, why is there a car? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, my cousin sees two cop cars. Well, he's like, cops! And we just start running. We bolt out of the school, and there was a cornfield. And on the other side of the cornfield was a a, a crick bed. And the crick bed led all the way back to the next town. Yeah. And so we were thinking, if we can get to that crick bed, it's back in the woods. There's no way they're going to find us. We'd, We'd be home free. And so we dart out of the school and then we shoot back into the school and we we're in this room that was like right on the edge where it's like it was like a two hundred yard sprint to the creek bed. Yeah. And we're sitting in the room. We're like, okay, you ready? One, two, three, come out the doors. and The cops are standing there and we're at gunpoint and we're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then it. Why'd you go back into the school when you got. You went out and then you Because went, they were on our tail. We were, oh, they saw you. When we were out, they were on our tail and then we turned a corner and then we popped back in. But we, uh, we assumed that they didn't see us go back in. And then and they did. And that. So you could have gotten shot. I could have gotten shot. Yeah. yeah. So you went to jail? Went to jail. Yeah, yeah,
0: and then you called know.
1: my parents, and then they were like, "We're not going to come get you." Yeah, and they were like, "Wait for your arraignment." And how how many days was that? It was a good day. Oh yeah, yeah. Sweep in jail, learn yeah. your lesson. Yeah, and then what happened with the charges? Uh, well, I got a deferred judgment. Uh, yeah. and then I got probation, and I wasn't allowed to leave the leave the county. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend broke up daughter. broke up with me yeah. immediately, and uh, and then I wasn't allowed to do any extracurricular or anything at school. I didn't get kicked out of the school, which... I, I but were you like wearing some... Were you a hero or a no, loser? No, I was... I'd shamed the city, right? It was like a town. There were 52 people in my graduating class. I mean, it was, I, there were 100 people in my town. Like, I'd shamed the city. So the outlaw thing didn't... It wasn't a positive yeah, it thing. Didn't, yeah, it didn't go well. No
0: sentence? No nothing?
1: I mean, I did a bunch of community service. What, how, what and, was that? I had to do that once. Yeah, I like helped kids get on the bus in the morning and stuff and like painted a fence and like you know
0: i had a vacuum at an old folks home
1: yeah there you go yeah that's good yeah this is like 40 hours of that yeah it's just because i fought a traffic ticket a speeding ticket i mean by the way my community service was no worse than any of the jobs i had when i was that age (laughs) so it was sort of like not really it was just like a job i didn't get paid for yeah i was like "Eh, this is not this isn't so when when does this
0: the interest in the arts happen does it happen
1: well, I had already, so when I was in like, I think seventh grade, I started yeah. doing high, junior high theater mm-hmm. and I was in every play that my school offered for yeah. the entire time I was in school and I was in the thespian society and went and competed in like state yeah. know, acting competitions and stuff. They had acting competitions? How do those work? Um, Would you do a monologue? Yeah, you'd like prepare a scene with a scene oh, partner oh. or something and then you go and perform it. And Yeah. I. I mean, I always love performing. I think, you know, I've, 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 like psychoanalyzed myself and broke it down. I think I, I just ri- like the attention. Sure. Um. And you like
0: getting a laugh? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's I mean, great,
1: right? Yeah. There is sort of nothing is satisfying. <laughs> it's like I actually said something that you found familiar enough to yeah. laugh at. It's great. It's beautiful. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, I kind of fell in love with it, but also I was in Iowa and I am going. Yeah. How the hell am I gonna get out? Yeah, what I, am I gonna go do? Like community theater or something? Yeah, um, you thought. you were thinking about that.
0: You you thought like, how do I make this a profession?
1: Yeah, but I really didn't know how, so I kind of yeah. just gave up on it. And, yeah, and I was I did pretty well in school, and so I I, I decided to go to school and become a biochemical engineer. And why that that's I was going to be a geneticist. Really? Yeah. I'm what a, compelled you to do that? I wanted to figure out how to stop. The virus from replicating that attacked my brother's heart, really, that was my goal, yeah, you kind of obsessed with it yeah i want i I just wanted to figure out how to like i mean there's a process that viruses go through called lysis where they sort of transition and start to replicate, yeah, and I thought if you know if you could infect a virus with a strand of DNA that didn't allow it to replicate that potentially you could stop it from
0: is that something they use now?
1: I don't know i I haven't kept up on it.
0: Really, you haven't? You're not? You don't get the journals? No, but it seems like in the you know you're involved with
1: the tech world, but you don't do biotech. I've I've done a couple things in biotech. Um, it's I I probably should do more. Yeah, but I always feel like. I studied it, but that I didn't learn it well enough to do it well. Right. And meanwhile, like I wasn't a computer engineer or a computer scientist right. or anything of that sort, right? But yet I feel confident enough to. So it doesn't really make sense.
0: Well, I've, no, it does because mechanics are mechanics. But when it comes to the human thing, you know, you don't know what the hell. It just seems like this. No matter what they do, it's sort of like we don't really know. M- like with 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 machines, it's machines with digital stuff. Yeah. But when you're dealing with things like this, we're going to inject this into, into. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen.
1: I also i i think, I think there's not a regulating body that sits over the top of technology. Yeah. Whereas if you go into biotech, you have to deal with the FDA. Sure, and like oh. I don't, I don't want a guy at the finish line to be able to say, "Sorry, we're yeah. just not going to approve this." Yeah, like, yeah. I, like to me, that puts my investment in somebody else's hands.
0: Right. Well, it might be for the right reasons, but you just don't want yeah, to, be it, involved it, with that it also, possibility. It also
1: might be for the wrong reasons. right? Sure. I mean, you don't. Maybe you, you don't. There, there, there might be some, you know, minor side effect that yeah. is, you know, with outside of it's, and I'm not, I'm not. In, in we want way. to
0: take the risk either way.
1: Yeah, I, yeah exactly. Yeah. So so my rule is, I don't invest in non FDA approved biochemical <laughs> right technology. Sure. Well, I mean, I just think
0: it's interesting because the virus, the idea, the virus is sort of like a renegade strand of uh, like RNA or DNA that needs to hook up with something, needs a host. So your concept was if you could create a fake, uh, like a, a ghost strand of dna that it could hook up to that it would diminish the uh the impact. yeah
1: i mean if you think about like antivirals for like the yeah. flu or something right. like that right like yeah. they, they they basically give you a dormant version of yeah. of that so you could actually create you you should hypothetically be able to create an antivirus right for anything any virus for many viruses right they're so, probably working on that uh, yeah maybe but you didn't you didn't follow through i did not follow through no I, 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 I I was, I was in college and I was in a bar and some lady came up to me and was like, how old are you? And I was like, let me get this beer and I'll let you know. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm 19. And then she said, uh, have you ever thought about being a model? And I was like, I I thought Fabio was like the only male model. Like I didn't realize guys did that as a job. Yeah. And I was, and I was, I said no. I was like, I thought about being an actor, and she's like, "Well, it's a this is a really good way to be an actor." Come to find out, it's not. Um, and, and 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 but then she sort of showed me the ropes and helped build my confidence. And, Where'd she find you in Iowa? Yeah, I was in a bar in Iowa, and she was from where? She had a scouting agency in Iowa. She, now she's in St. Louis. Yeah, you still know her? Yeah, I'm still really close with them. She because well, she started your whole life. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and she was just like, "You're a good-looking guy." Yeah, she was and like, "You thought she was full of shit at first? I
1: thought she was completely full of shit. She <laughs> she was like, "There's a a uh, competition at the shopping mall, t- <laughs> like this weekend in Cedar Rapids." It, yeah, she's like, "Come, you, you know, you, you all you have to walk from like here to you know fifty feet and back," and she's like, "Wear a tight shirt and some jeans." Yeah, and you're gonna, you, you, yeah, I think you'll win. Yeah, and. And then I won a trip to New York. And I I I left my, I got a week off from my yeah. job at General Mills in the Cheerio factory where I was sweeping Cheerio dust doing janitorial work and <laughs> flew to New York. And I called my dad once I got there and said, I'm not coming home. And he was, was like, it? and he was like, bullshit. <laughs> he was like, get your ass back here. I was like, I, listen, I, I've got my Boy Scout backpack. <laughs> And I've got my sleeping bag, and I've got a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if I run out of money, I'll figure out how to get home. But for now, I'm not coming home. Yeah. And then, uh, with a hundred bucks in my pocket and my Boy Scout backpack, I set out in the world, man. And that was that. What was that? And, then,
0: and that's history. So you were working at a General Mills factory.
1: Yeah. Where they made cereal. Yeah, it was a really good summer job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they made Cheerios, fruit roll-ups, uh, cl- clusters. Um, Did you take like that stuff home? I mean, I'd grab a handful out of All the right. bin as it was going it? down the thing. I mean, I was over a cereal by the time I got, I mean, I was covered in it. So It's sort of like when you work in a, work in a meat factory and you become a vegetarian. Right. You know, you're just like, oh, man, I don't know if I can. They're killing so many Cheerios. Yeah. It's so upsetting. Yeah. But it's not upsetting. You're just like. It's too much I, of it. I don't know if I can eat this stuff, man. Where'd your dad work when you were growing up? He was on the fruit roll-ups line. He was? Yeah. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he got me the job. It was a great summer job. I mean it was an amazing summer job. But was he but he I was, I was getting paid like twelve bucks an hour or something? But it wasn't a summer job for your dad. He was fu- full time fruit yeah, roll ups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was full time. Yeah. The, for the fruit roll ups. Yeah, on fruit roll ups, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went from working in a warehouse, like driving a forklift. Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Why?
0: It's just like uh, the fruit roll-up's i And someone's got to
1: do it, but it's a funny thing to say. Somebody's got to make sure that the foot-long fruit roll-ups come out a full foot. I get it. You don't want an 11-inch foot-long fruit roll-up. No, you want the whole thing. You need a full foot. (laughs) Yeah. And that was your dad. (laughs) That was my pops. (laughs) You were on the forklift? In a warehouse before that, so oh. this was a great gig, sure, because you're working with cereal. Your dad's right down around the corner. I was getting paid twelve bucks an 12 hour bucks. instead of eight bucks an hour. Right, that was great. Yeah, and instead of four sixty that I got for washing dishes, oh, at a restaurant.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad it seemed like there was a nice progression: dishes, forklift, Cheerios, yeah. runway model, exactly. Italy, Italy, <laughs> yeah. It's a good progression. Giorgio Armani, you know, it's like, it just we're, works. Wearing the nice suits. All those
1: brands line up. Yeah, come on, sure, man. The Homestead Kitchen, <laughs> Hawkeye <laughs> Foods, <laughs> General Mills. Mills, and then Armani. I mean, don't forget Spikes Meat Cutting. Oh, you, you know, were at Spikes. I worked at Spikes, and I was I skinned deer during deer hunting season. So you can do that like, if oh, necessary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, mean, what was I can the, skin and trim a deer like nobody's business. What's
0: a, what was spikes? It was a place
1: where people brought their deers to be it was butchered. Bo- yeah, it was a butcher shop. So people would bring them, or they'd sell them. Uh, hopefully, they'd have them field dressed, and they'd just drop them off, and oh, and then I'd hang them up and skin them and cut the head. So that off was the and,
0: service that spikes provided. Hunters yeah. would bring their field dressed.
1: Game a, in. a field dress game, and then we would turn it into processed meat that people right. could take home and, and eat. freeze. Yeah, yeah, package it up. Would be frozen by the time we gave it to him. Well, you wouldn't want to give it to him thawed. Oh, really? Yeah, you'd freeze it. No.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, I mean, I thought so. They'd pick it up like a week later. Yeah, well, a week, two weeks. So Depend it's not how, like it depends we, on how busy we were. It's not like by tomorrow I need this fresh and I'll put it in my freezer.
1: Yeah, no, it'd be like you know a couple days. If, oh, we, we we can move through a deer pretty quick. Yeah. And did you hunt? or do you yeah i was a hunter how was it i loved it yeah yeah i i, I like i like bird hunting yeah and i like fishing shotguns yeah with shot, like shotgun bird hunting yeah. that's the way you do it right yeah with like, ducks like and a 20 gauge or a 410 or so you want something small so you don't mutilate the meat but... yeah so you don't have to pick like spit shot out of <laughs> your. yeah exactly and then and but I, I i started deer hunting yeah when i was 15 or 16 or something like this um and i liked it but it it was a weird thing with deer hunting. Like yeah. you actually felt like I don't know. I, I just started feeling bad for the game. It was weird. Yeah, um, right. especially called, that's called the f- uh, conscience. Yeah, <laughs> it's called not becoming a serial killer. <laughs> have you seen this "Don't Fuck with Cats" thing? Not on, yet. On I ca- you gotta I've, watch this thing. I have
0: two cats now. I just had to put one down. I don't know if I could handle it yet. Oh God, it's something else. Do you have cats? I used to have cats. Yeah, I love cats. Yeah, I, and it didn't affect. People were telling me like if, if you have cats. It's gonna be a little rough. It's a little rough, but man, is it something else? Really?
1: Oh God! It's
0: just. But wait, what are these sounds you're making? This doesn't sound like a good experience.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're into this thing, you know what I mean? it it's, was it a good experience? It's what's shocking is 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 you're sort of seeing it through the eyes of these people who are like using the internet yeah. to f- solve this case, but right. then they stumble upon something much greater. Yeah, and you're like it's shocking so it's a good documentary and it's beautiful
0: yeah okay i'll i'll you know, people i mean beautiful me.
1: might be the wrong word but oh, it's man. exhilarating effective
0: yeah all right so you're in uh so you're doing the big modeling with buddy with ford wilhelmina who's what's it? next oh was, yeah is that a big one it was
1: one of the big ones for guys oh so, so you're doing print you're doing runway you're doing all of it i'm doing enough to get by to yeah. start with living in new york where uh I was living in a two bedroom apartment with five other guys. It was a model's apartment where in, which one? in hell's kitchen ninth and forty something uh it was ninth and thirty eighth mm-hmm. yeah and then uh it was terrifying. Yeah. Like, as a kid from Iowa, it was like- Right in it there. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember walking up this, like, two-story walk up and turning the lights on in this place, and roaches just scattered. Oh, yeah. And a, down the street, Ninth Avenue, it was, like 42nd it was, Street. Yeah, there was a guy selling a girl on the corner, oh, and it was yeah. just in the, in a person living in a trash bag outside. Sure. you're like, wow, this is just a different world. Mind-blowing. Yeah, mind-blowing. Um, but you had your Boy Scout backpack- and- I was good. I had my Swiss Army knife, man. <laughs> you could fly with knives back then. Yeah, sure, man. No, forget. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so yeah, and then I you know, booked a couple little jobs and made a little bit of money and then um But I didn't see any of it because I was living in the model's apartment. Right. And it was like, I was paying like $2,000 a month for this two bedroom. (laughs) They put you up in there? Yeah, they put you up in there. So then they take your check when you get paid and they pay themselves for the rent for the model's apartment, which couldn't have possibly been $10,000 a month. Yeah, yeah. But that's what it was. Oh, man. And then, you know, they pay for all your flights, but you don't know how much they cost. And so ultimately, I didn't see. Uh, any money for a while um, and I was just kind of living off a of ramen and you know whatever <laughs> yeah, else I could right. get my hands on and then uh, yeah and then I went to Italy uh, and did a bunch of runway shows and booked like 19 shows or something like that how'd you feel about there. that
0: being a model you know coming from what you come from and knowing that now you're a model how'd your dad react
1: I, my dad was like this is bullshit come home right um, I, I was Honestly, I was like, I can't un- believe people are going to pay me to just look like me. Yeah. And, so there was that. You didn't feel it was in, in,
0: uh, be- beneath you or, or the- affected your masculinity or anything?
1: No. Yeah. It, it wasn't that. It was just like, I was just shocking that <laughs> yeah. people were paying me to just be me. I like I couldn't- like, You had to learn how to walk correctly, didn't you? I had to learn how to walk the right way yeah. and like do the thing. But- I, Do the thing, uh, yeah, like po, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. like the, but, uh, but it was just it was this sort of shocking thing, and and then, it not, it didn't take long. It was probably like, within a year, I was like, this, this, it's not gratifying, right? right? Like, okay, I, yeah, because I, I, there wasn't a sense of ownership about yeah. what was happening, right? And that's when I found an acting manager in New York, and then, started working with her and going on castings Who was that? Uh, the manager I still have today, Stephanie Simon.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, Stephanie Simon.
1: Yeah, from Untitled. Yeah, I yeah. think I know her. Yeah, so I met her. Yeah. um, through my modeling agent, and then started going on castings and booked like a Pizza Hut commercial, and then I booked a test for a NBC pilot. Uh huh. And they flew me out here.
0: Wait, is Untitled her company?
1: Yeah, her and Jason Weinberg. Yeah, yeah. And you've
0: been with them. For, you've been with her for years. Twenty. Two, well, two years so that's well that's loyalty that's nice you've been with her that
1: long yeah I, i'm I, I don't know it's like somebody gives you a shot yeah you get like it's weird I, I don't understand how people forget the people that give them a shot like it's it is
0: it is do they forget them or do they think that once they, they you know it, they get the shot if they can't continue to grow that they feel like they've outgrown them i get that but yeah. but uh I mean, she continued to grow sure. as well, oh yeah, right? no, so, she got a big company, right? She got a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and it, 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 I just, you know, even if they don't do what they used to do, like, you should, you sit down and have a conversation about it, and you go, all right, how, you know, what are the things that, that you could be doing that you're not doing, that we need to be doing? That, to work together? Yeah, but,
0: you can do that, but I, from the other side of it, from a guy who was managed by a guy for 20 years, and, you know, you get to a point where they grow, but you're not, they can't move you, and it's no one's fault. Sometimes yeah. you hit an impasse. That's true. Where you're like this isn't
1: working out. Yeah, but maybe you still have a relationship with them. I mean, I've sure, fired sure. I, friends. I, I yeah, I've had agents that I no longer work with and yeah. used to work with, but especially the person I don't know, the people that give you the first shot at something. Yeah. That that's a big bet, right? Cuz right. they're investing their time and energy yeah. on you yeah. because they see something and especially when nobody else sees it. I, I don't know. I to me it's just like
0: yeah, oh, for sure. And it, you're still friends with the uh, woman who gave you the modeling shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You're, you uh, you know that. Well, I mean, some people, you don't necessarily have to keep a relationship with them, but you should honor that or respect the, what happened. Gratitude. Sure. Gratitude. F- perfect. Yes. Appreciation. Sure.
1: That's it. Practice appreciation. Yeah. So she got you the 70s show gig? Yeah, so I flew out here, uh, auditioned for this NBC thing, and then- I ended up booking a different NBC thing yeah. that was a little weird, and then went across town and booked the '70s show, and then decided to take that '70s show, and the rest is history. Then I started to work a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, you were on the '70s show forever, right? I think it was like eight years, seven <laughs> years, something. And, like but right. that's how
1: you became a star. Yeah, I mean that once again, they gave me a shot. Yeah, but you could do it. It was a funny. I, uh, funny I, I mean, there was moments where I don't think I was doing it. There, like, go go look at the first six episodes. I was sure I was getting fired for the first six episodes, and I and I didn't know I didn't know my ass from my elbow. Yeah. Like, I couldn't figure out. I'd done a student film in New York just right. to like figure out how to act in front of a camera, and like I'd never done take two before in my life. Who's student film? Do you remember that guy? Are, oh. you, are you grateful are you still in
0: touch with him no I, I
1: he's actually done really well as a director oh good I'm trying to remember the name it was the, the 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 student film was called distance it was an NYU student film uh-huh but I'd never done take two ever before because yeah. I'd only done plays right and you just sort of load up and then unload right that's true one time sure and that's it yeah and take two was a whole new weird thing reload. Yeah. Reload. Like how do <laughs> yeah. you reload once you you blew right. your wad? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like some guys can do it, yeah. I, you know, I, but right. I, it's, I, and so I had to learn. You didn't have chops. I did not have chops. And then Bonnie Turner, uh, on, on, uh, from the 70s show. Yeah. Basically taught me how to like dissect a joke, taught me the rhythms of comedy. Cause I, I you know, some people are just kind of naturally have right. a comedic yeah capacity yeah and i just didn't have that it was and so i i had to learn this you kind of have it process i mean don't you i need material right (laughs) right and and and, but but i can load up on material like i can like i can i can sit down and come up with material right Right. but like before i go out and do like a talk show or something like that like I kind of know what my bits are. Like, I sit with that producer, right? And yeah, go I, over it. Yeah, I go yeah. over it, and I and I build my bits. Yeah. So when I get there, I just execute on the bits. Right. But I, I'm not going to come. I'm not. I'm not going off the cuff with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> not this, the is, this, guy. Is gonna, this is going. This is going to go south. Because I just don't have those rhythms. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> have you tried that? No, I, I'm doing it now. It's a disaster what's happening right now. No, it's not.
0: It's funny. It's good. I've gotten a lot of laughs. It's a disaster. <laughs> but like, so what? Mark Brazil was the guy, right? Mark and Bonnie and Terry Turner, yeah. 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 And then you, like that that whole crew- like I like Topher too. He does good shit in movies. Sometimes I haven't seen him in a while. I've, I've interviewed him.
1: I've been, I haven't. He's probably the only person like I haven't really kept up with on the, from the show. I mean, he's, I, he's a heavy. He's kind of intense guy. He's like, a pretty he's, intense guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of hard on himself, and you he's know, hard on himself, and he's like pretty calculated about the things that he does. And it, 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 I, I always say he's like incredibly talented.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. He is. I mean, there was a couple movies. Like he does a thing. He's got a a, a thing. He, his wheelhouse is kind of, you know, intense. Yeah, his
1: mode. Yeah, his mode. Yeah. Right. He always so you, he always had like a Michael J. Fox fascination. Oh, but, really? Yeah, like that was his like you know that was I his north star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine was Kirk Cameron. So. Oh yeah. yeah so it was, it was fair.
0: Yeah. Good. I'm glad you guys had your heroes and your models. your <laughs> yeah, The barometer for success. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Those two. That that's about right, huh? Yeah. I worked with the guy from uh, the guy who uh, Don Don. I worked with Don Don Stark. Yeah. Yeah, he played my sponsor in the fourth episode of my show on
1: IFC. Right, on. he's a great guy. Yeah, Don's fantastic.
0: Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and you work and Mila was on the show, but you guys, you didn't, you didn't. It wasn't happening.
1: Well, I mean, but she was and like, now she's your wife. She was like fourteen when we started I, okay, the show, right? And, and I'm I was not like suggesting anything. No, about. but I'm simply saying she was fourteen. I was. Twenty nineteen, yeah. something like that. Right. And so, it, it, 14 and 20, it feels like a big age difference, right? Sure it is. It's just, yeah, it's, a, it's
0: illegal. It's a,
1: yeah, it's, it's an illegal problem as well. 28 and 32, uh, yeah. you not go, so much, yeah. not, not so much, right? It's less. Yeah, yeah, 33, changes as whatever, whatever. It, I think yeah, I'm not sure. doing the math right, but anyway.
0: But you did like that, I mean, th- that show was your life, you know, that sort of defines your life and your finances and everything for, for a long time.
1: Yeah, well, Two years into it, I, because I was just a supporting character in the show, so, uh-huh. I, so I really wasn't doing that much work. I mean, I right. would show up for the workday, but yeah. sitcom schedules are pretty soft anyway. Right. But then when you're only in three, four scenes a week, um, I, I had a lot of extra time on my head, yeah. so I started a production company. Um and then uh, how, but how did you know
0: to do that? Was that Stephanie's suggestion? I mean, who who? How do you like? Because like, big actors, people who who are making bread and have you know who who have a foresight, do that. Who gave you that? I just always wanted the job of the
1: person that was giving paying me. So it was your idea. Like I'm going to open a production company. It was a hundred. I, I I I I met my uh, producing partner. Yeah. Uh out. Through his wife, through at a party or oh, something, okay. and he, oh, he was a producer, and he yeah, said, "Yeah, and why don't we?" He was we do talking this? about movies that he wanted to make, and yeah. I had some ideas about things, and we started collaborating. I was like, "Why don't we just start a company?" Right, uh, and so we started out of my house, yeah, and worked out of one of the bedrooms of my house, and um, you know, about six months, eight months into it, and just bootstrapped it on our own money, mm-hmm. and it, we we came up with this idea for Punked, and. Uh, my agents and everybody said don't do this is a bad idea (laughs) someone's gonna get hurt no they were just like it's a bad idea for your career like why are you gonna go do reality tv at that that point in time like doing reality tv seemed like a career ender yeah um and i was like no i i want to do this yeah and then started started that up and then i was i did do where's my car i think after the summer of punk was sort of a phenomenon right yeah, it was like the number one show on cable at the time.
0: And, and isn't that where Dak Shepard comes from?
1: Yeah, I casted him for his <laughs> yeah. for the first episode. Yeah, I, I, he was. He, I think he was at Groundlings at the time. Yeah, which was like an unbelievable place to go find sure talent for. Yeah, um, yeah, we casted him for, on it. Oh, cast,
0: you you cast a lot of people out of the Groundlings for Punk for improvising
1: uh, real yeah, people. A bunch of people. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, where we found we found a lot of the talent for that show. You know, and I also I was. I was a huge fan of Saturday Night Live when yeah, I was growing up. Yeah. And and I, I I realized that there's that was like the only other show that improvers really could go to and work, sketch guys, improv guys. Yeah, like guys. sketch yeah, improv, improv sure. people. I was like, wait a second, we I, I I can build Even if I'm number two to Saturday Night Live, I can build the other show that sketch and improv people want to come work. Well, yours is really improv. I mean, ultimately SNL is scripted all the way. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a you know a Bible of what how we wanted to execute the bit. Yeah, but the comedy in it was. The well, yeah, they improv. had to, they had to think on
0: their feet because they're dealing with real people and things.
1: Yeah, I mean they had a little backup. but we yeah. we, we were in their ear and you oh know, yeah, right, so, right. so 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 <laughs> yeah. they lost track or if they weren't seeing something that we were seeing. Yeah, they had a little bit of a voice of God going. Yeah, um, don't get punched in the face, <laughs> uh, back away right now. He's talking about punching you. You know, it was like so that we we, we had that. Uh, and was it one? was
0: like really successful, and then
1: you did the yeah that big movie. Dude, where's was it? Was Dude, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? Written by Phil Stark, who was one of the writers on the '70s show. But
0: then, when do you start like becoming this wizard investor? And and when? Do,
1: when? Do, so like a lot of things happen, right? I did a bunch of movies. Started started doing a bunch of other television, like producing shows. the movies, producing some movies, and then producing we did this show called Beauty and the Geek and True Beauty. We we were we were building as a reality production company. I think Endemol came in and offered to buy our production company. And I was like, well if we sell it then I have a boss and I don't know if I want a boss. Yeah. And and I was like, why would they want to buy this? Like I was trying to figure out like why they were valuing it where it was at. And then I saw buffering speeds online just getting faster and faster and faster. And this is about Maybe twelve, thirteen years ago, two thousand and
0: 2007, I, what seven, six? Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I was like, man, I want. I think all this content is just going to move online. Like yeah. this is just an easier way to consume it. Really, you thought that? I, I I legitimately had this thought, and so I went out and started looking for companies that could help me distribute content and quantify. Content quantify creativity if you will like determine where in the life cycle of a video people y- Wanted more and mm-hmm. where they wanted to turn it off mm-hmm. and Understand the total number of views across multiple platforms of the internet And so I-, I was really just trying to figure out how to optimize content for that platform Any platform w- well for the online ecosystem. Okay. Right? like VOD right and because uh, you
0: saw the future of entertainment moving there.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah. And so I tried to convince my board uh, to create a fund. At the production company. At the production company. To yeah. create a fund of capital inside the production company to invest in these types of companies. Yeah. And then use our production capabilities yeah. to-, to f- make your to- content to promote these companies yeah. and accelerate their growth oh, okay. and then and and then make the content and utilize those tools yeah. to actually uh, build content out. And so we built out the internal piece of the puzzle, but the board didn't approve the investment piece. Uh-huh. So I just started making the investments on my own. With your own money. With my own capital. Yeah. And I invested in a company called Optimizely, which yeah. is like an A-B testing tool. I invested in Skype. I invested in a company called Slide, which this guy Max Levkin, who was yeah. from the PayPal Mafia, yeah. c- created. <laughs> it,
0: PayPal Mafia. You
1: know, it's like a group of like yeah. early people that Peter Thiel brought in to yeah. build up PayPal. Yeah, and then, and, and and then I just started meeting all these other people in the tech universe. And this is like a this is a pivotal time because there they
0: these are guys that are now billionaires, some of them. Yeah, and they weren't then.
1: They weren't then. And so
0: you're like on the ground floor of these people that know the future in a way, or at least we're gambling on it.
1: Yeah, and to be clear, I was the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah. And intentionally the dumbest guy in the room and vacuuming as much information as I possibly could Yeah, just to educate myself. So I would go to San Francisco twice a week and just take meetings with the smartest people from Mark Andreessen and Mark Cuban to, you know, it lit anybody would take a meeting and they
0: would take a meeting with you because they thought you were funny and you're uh, like they
1: knew who you were and they knew who i was so they didn't you know but did they
0: look at you as an investor or as sort of like i want to meet that guy
1: i don't no no not at all they yeah. i think they looked at me going why is what, <laughs> what's he what's, want? what's he want right <laughs> yeah and and then and then i i found this angel investor this guy ron conway an angel <laughs> investor is a guy who just give you money yeah, he's like it's like the first check in kind of guy. Yeah, um, and he was the best in the business in angel investing. Uh, explain
0: that to me exactly. How does angel investing work?
1: So somebody comes to you with an idea they yeah. haven't raised any money yet, and yeah. you give them the first check. Okay, and and he was kind of like the first check that was a stamp of approval that caused the second check to come in. And who? Where do you? Where does your check come in? Well, early days, I was an angel investor, okay. so I learned from him. And became an angel investor early on. Yeah. But then I also would invest in things where, you know, somebody would call me up and go, hey, Skype is selling from... Uh, eBay and, you know, there's some legal hair on it, but we think we can clean that up, but we yeah. think it's a, you know, six X multiple from here and then, yeah. would, you know, make that check as well. Uh-huh. So I was doing a little bit of both, but mostly just super, super early. There was this, there's this incubator, uh, in San Francisco called Y Combinator, uh-huh. which is probably the most prestigious incubator in the world where the best founders go through there, the biggest ideas from yeah. The, Dropbox to Cloudera to, you know, yeah. uh, Airbnb and uh, they, all these companies end up going through this incubator. Yeah. And this guy, Paul Graham, who built it and ran it yeah. would mentor these young entrepreneurs and help them learn figure out how to build their businesses. Right, And so I would go there and I, at the time there weren't any other celebrities or anybody else there. And I would go and I could always get a meeting with the founder because yeah. they were excited to meet. And, and, and then over time, I just, I learned from them. I learned from other investors and sort of figured out how to do it. Yeah. And then, and, and then, and then Guy Ossiri, who is my uh, partner in the fund, he was the only other guy uh, from LA that was, I, I kept seeing up there running into, and he was a friend of mine. And at one point he turned to me, he's like, why don't we just do this together? And I was like, great, like go find the money. And yeah. I'm happily, because yeah. I'm running out of money. <laughs> And so then he went and found the money Yeah. and then Ron Burkle came in with the capital and, and his back office um, and we built our first fund and it started from there.
0: And and now this is like the bi- the bulk of your business is doing this stuff. This is,
1: yeah, this is a little bit more than nine to five. And, 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 and now I do only do movies or films or TV that I, I like, I'm really passionate about. And it's more of like, just for fun. So, the
0: fund is like, so you manage a fund basically? Yeah. And and that's that's where you ended up with this. And that fund is, you know, you guys just sit around and go, like, well, what are these things that look like we can put money in?
1: Yeah. So, we have and a. And then team... people
0: invest in the fund?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So,
0: the fund's called Sound Ventures. Right. So, I can put money in Sound Ventures. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, we have. What's it
1: cost to get in? Uh, it just depends on. It uh, de- be like, honest it, with me. No, no, it really depends. Okay. Like, it, it, part of it is. Um, you know, we we are, we try we try to have LPs that we think add value to the fund. Mm-hmm. So folks that give us some domain expertise that we don't have, yeah, and those are the limited partners they put capital in, and then and then we have uh, a unbelievable team of of folks that do run diligence for us on companies, and, yeah. They're constantly sourcing companies and you know laying out the numbers and telling us what they think, and then we have a portfolio management team that basically looks at all the companies we've invested in and constantly finding ways to try to be helpful to those companies and yeah. then help those companies grow and that's
0: that's the deal that's the that's business the yeah and and now, and you're a respected guy in this world, your fund,
1: I think so, yeah, yeah.
0: now okay, so going back, you've been married to Miller for how long?
1: Uh, I think we've been married for five years, almost five years.
0: Yeah, and that's going good.
1: It's going amazing.
0: That's great. And yeah. then before that, you were with Demi. Yeah, for eight. Yeah, and you guys are still friends.
1: Uh I. You know, we don't hang out. Right. Um,
0: right, right. You know, I, I remember I talked to Mill, and it was sort of like, oh yeah, everyone's good. And you know. I, mean, it,
1: it, it's all good. Yeah, and we don't we don't hang out. I I've uh, I I make a really conscious effort to stay in touch with the girls.
0: Yeah. Um. Because yeah. you were sort of present for a lot of that.
1: I mean, it was eight years, right? Yeah. So Talulah, I think, was like eight or nine, right? And uh, she was the youngest, and and uh, rumor was like twelve or thirteen, right? When we first started dating, and then when we divorced, like they would had all just uh, well, Tolula was graduating high school when we divorced. Sure. So,
0: so you so you had a, a relationship with them in, in, during a sort of essential time. I mean, I, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I was helping raise teenage right. girls through their. Adolescence.
0: It's weird when that happens because my brother's going through some of that. Like you have an ex whose kids you were a big part of their lives. How do you maintain that? And do you? You know how does that work?
1: I think. I mean, I I love them. Yeah. Right. And I'm never going to stop loving them. Right. Right. And and so uh, and and respecting them and honoring them and rooting for them to be successful in whatever they they're they're pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you you. You you try, but I, at the same time, I'm I'm not their father. I was sure. never trying to be their father. I right. always had respect and honored Bruce, and I think you know he's a brilliant human being and a wonderful man. Yeah, and and I and so I, I, I you know if they don't want an engagement right. with me, I'm not going to force it upon them. But right, but they they all do, and it's oh, it's nice, it's great.
0: Yeah, so that's well, it's good that there's not, you know badness
1: there's not badness
0: yeah yeah now okay so the other thing is you started catholic and then you moved into this other thing
1: <laughs> you want to extrapolate on that or you want me to <laughs> <laughs> well i
0: mean early in the conversation you said you kind of christian catholic upbringing but i know that the- Well, i had a
1: very christian catholic upbringing i mean i was an altar boy uh my my mom's side of the family was irish catholic we we right you know went to church every sunday i went to catechism yeah Learned about Jesus Christ. Um, sure. And then- Confession, the whole business. Yeah, the whole- yeah, the Blood whole, of Jesus. Yeah, the whole Here's thing. Here's your cookie. Um, yeah. And learned a ton. Um, about the Catholic model. Yeah, about, yeah. That, about that model. And and sort of being in Iowa, I mean, I had one friend that I f- realized was Jewish because he was gone on days that we were still in school. Yeah. And, and I had a Mormon friend uh, when I was growing up. And, yeah. And never really- recognized or realized the difference. Um, of religions. Yeah, but also never spent the time to understand any other mm-hmm. religion. Um, and then, uh, I, I don't remember how long ago, started uh, learning about Judaism and- uh, Just from who? Who were you with at the time? So Demi introduced me to a guy uh, named Etan Yardini, who was yeah. one of the teachers at the Kabbalah Center.
0: Now, this is when, like, in Kabbalah's heyday, like, when Madonna was Kabbalah, and uh,
1: it was, like, sort of a, a, a fad a bit here. Yeah, I think she, I think Demi found out about it through Madonna or uh-huh. something like this. And I was really skeptical uh, of all of it going in. Were uh, you still practicing Catholic, or were you just kind of No, kinda I wasn't really practicing. Untethered. I, I was actually, like, sort of moving towards atheism. Yeah. Uh, like, where I was just sort of, like...
0: Well, you were also inve- you were also consumed with uh, sort of like exciting investments and things.
1: I was consumed with a lot of things. <laughs> so, so, but but I but I I I was kind of questioning whether or not you need a model like this in uh-huh. order to be a good person. Yeah, and and kind of questioning the. I always had an issue from the moment I asked my pastor, like. If you never heard of Jesus Christ, yeah. how is it that you go to hell? Like, because you can't believe in this something. is something you asked when you were a kid. I asked him when I was, yeah, when yeah. I was an altar boy, yeah, and he didn't have it. He's like, you just have to have faith, and I was like, that's just that doesn't do it for me.
0: Right, that's a good question. That's a philosophical, like if that guy
1: doesn't even know who Jesus is, right. why does he the, have to go to hell? If you're in the Amazon rainforest yeah. and you've never heard of, and he's like, well, this is the purpose, purpose for the missions and going out sure. and spreading the yeah. word. And you yeah. go, yeah. yeah, but there's, you know, some guy's not going to, you're not going to get to those guys in the Amazon, yeah. right? Like, right. And so I, and so I always sort of bumped against that. And then, uh, so Demi introduced me to this guy, Aton, and. I asked him a bunch of questions yeah. and I was really skeptical. Did you ask him that one? Uh, well, they, he didn't believe that. So therefore he, he didn't, right, have didn't to, matter. He, right. There yeah. was no hell there. There, there yeah. was no hell. Yeah. And exactly. Jesus was just a guy. Uh, not just a guy, a cobblist, no less. Uh, uh-huh. of course <laughs> it had to be. Right? Yeah. Right. All fits by together. the way, so was Isaac Newton. Yeah, and yeah. so was <laughs> anybody else that has done anything significant. <laughs> sure. So, um, <laughs> so, which is how it kind of generally goes. So, uh, and so I I started learning about this uh, about Judaism and learn how to you know read Hebrew and mm-hmm. learn how to like uh you know read read the Torah and yeah. read the Midrash and read read all of it read the Zohar the, and read the Talmud the Talmud and uh-huh. it, w- it was like really in Hebrew. No, 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 I I read the English translation. Sure. I could read Hebrew like... Yeah. ...say the prayers. Right, right, right like, yeah.
0: yeah I, but you but you didn't convert to Judaism. I never converted to Judaism. And the Kabbalists, these, this version
1: of Kabbalah doesn't require that. I w- it was... It was
0: detached from Judaism in a
1: way. It was never required... No, I don't think it was detached from Judaism. It was, yeah. It was never a requirement. Nobody ever made it incumbent upon me to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I... I just didn't. I just never felt the need to do it. Right. I mean, I did mikvah and you know tied teflin and yeah. would say my morning prayers every day and do, huh. like you know I right. did the Amidah and do, like really I I studied it and went all in. But you wouldn't say you were a Jew. I don't think I'm anything.
0: But isn't that odd though? Like I'm, I'm a Jew, and I, you know, I can, I can read Hebrew, and I, and I, I don't know that I've put the study that you put into it, but I just never understood. And I, you know, and from what you're telling me, I, just, I just don't know. Like it seems like that, you know, all of the rituals were there, and the connections are there. But what is the primary spiritual uh,
1: lesson of Kabbalah? I mean, what, what are you praying to? I mean, at the end of the day, there was Hillel said. Uh, somebody had asked him to explain the Torah while standing on one foot. And he yeah. said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Everything else is commentary. Right. right. Yeah. And so, it, and by the way, if you say, what is the golden rule of Christianity? It's love thy neighbor as thyself. Right. Yeah. is the same thing. Right. And in fact, what I ended up finding out through studying Judaism was why the Catholics did all the things that I couldn't get answers as to why the Catholics did. Like, why did the priest always put a little bit of water in the wine before communion? Like, what was that about? And why was the bread? Why did they? Um, So water is a right column energy of mercy, and wine is a left column energy of judgment. Uh And so you always want to have some... Sense of mercy or care before you judge anything, yeah. Uh, because otherwise, it's a violent act. And so, you, so the, from so you put a little bit of water yeah. into the wine, huh? Um, and you know, and it was like, why are why why did they hand out wafers at community? Why yeah. didn't they just hand out a piece of bread? You right. Know, oh, okay. Well. It's, Bread is an antenna for wisdom, and when it's inflated, it's like the ego, right? So it, it has the same amount of energy within a wafer as what it has an in, in inflated ra- leaven piece of bread, right? But if but but it comes in a smaller package, and so it's, the, it's an antenna, a reminder. For individuals to diminish their ego, uh, you right? Know, you know, it is blandness to it, and hold the it. same space, right? A blandness to it, too. yeah. So it, I learned all, and then I learned about Passover. But and matzah. you're learning this from the Kabbalah people. Well, I, I just didn't know any. So I didn't know that Passover came at the same time of year as Easter, and, right? You, you know, and then when you do the matzah, it's actually the same as the wafer, and it's so, huh. and it's it, there's there's I learned so much overlap so much of it is exactly the same stuff but just taught in different ways and all really valuable stuff to sort of have and digest and realize but i'm kind of left back at the same place where i began which is you know i think all these things are great as long as you're not religious about them right and i and i found myself becoming religious about it mm. a- as opposed to um, as opposed to just curious intellectual yeah, yeah. It, it, philosophical it, i sort of passed the point of curiosity and philosophy and found myself becoming religious and went whoa i've just done the exact thing that i did before and here i am back at ground zero going huh let me let me reexamine all of this and yeah. see and and just Use what works.
0: Yeah. Where'd you land with that? With uh, like spirituality?
1: I, I'm, you know, I kind of think that, that, that the God that we're all looking for yeah, is actually just in other people.
0: Hmm. I, th- I can, I can, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good yeah, it could go either way.
1: Like, uh, my, my, so
0: you're, uh, you're grounded in that as opposed to magical thinking, which is like, uh, yeah, my,
1: ge- my general sense is that like, I'm, I- I'm seeking knowledge in this world. Yeah. There's more knowledge out in the world than I can, than I'll ever have, I'll ever personally obtain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, functionally at the end of the day, love thy neighbor as thyself, everything else is commentary. Yeah like just figure that out and you're you're going to do all right.
0: Yeah. You'd be a decent person. People have always have good things to say about you.
1: Not always. <laughs> You just haven't met the right people. The people I've talked to think you're a great guy. <laughs> just haven't met the right people. Come on, I'll introduce you to a couple. <laughs> They're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> you got a
0: couple of those people out there? Is there anyone out there saying about that about Ashley? Oh, Chris? I'm sure there is. <laughs>
1: I, I, I've got, I have a couple like personal. One, I'm pretty, a pretty righteous motherfucker. Yeah. Um, which is probably doesn't come off very good a lot of the time. Yeah. I. I feel like I'm right most of the time. Yeah. As do most people, but I'm certain of it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That could be annoying. (laughs) That's annoying. Yeah. Number two, I have a, my wife actually picks up me about this all the time. Like I can't, I don't, I don't recognize faces very well. Mm. Like I, I have this weird, I can look at a face and go, I know I know that person. Yeah. But I can't place where or how i mean i've run into like ex-girlfriends that i've dated for years and you can't well that happens as you get older buddy no but i but legitimately like dated for like years and not recognize them that's not and so i think it like and i all and i'm very apologetic about it when i'm like man i can't place it i'm really really sorry i should know this yeah and the minute they tell me who they are i'm like oh yeah back to the thing that we (laughs) did with the the, the, (laughs) But like I, I think that comes off really assholey sometimes, yeah. and yeah. and I don't mean to be. I just don't have that auto recall on faces.
0: Well, th- sometimes you get older and you've been a lo- you know you've met a lot of people in your life, and you don't, you don't know how age is going to change people. sometimes it takes a second. I've had moments where like you know people I don't know if I've dated them for years, but I've <laughs> spent time with them.
1: I don't. I just feel really bad about it. Yeah. Honestly. And I, and and then and then I I always tell my I'm just a shitty friend too. So like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I just don't resp- I don't I don't respond to text messages. And yeah. Things and you forget and like, they fall through the cracks. Don't be so hard on yourself. No, it's not even that. I just you I'm, don't. Uh, I just don't respond. Like okay.
0: I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, Do you I, respond in your head and think you responded? Maybe. I, I, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think about the response. Right. And then it's just like, I never got to that. Or I want to make sure it's like a good response. Yeah. And then you don't do And it. then I don't get to it because yeah. I need like five minutes to actually really think about the response. Sure. Yeah. You know that thing? Yeah, of course I do. So I'm also like- so I can, I'll introduce you to some people at some point. Like, oh, that'd be, be great. Like, that'd be great. I mean, I won't recognize you the next <laughs> time I see you in order to introduce you, but
0: <laughs> but when but when I reintroduce myself to you, you'll you'll walk me over to the people that yeah don't yeah. Like I'll it.
1: be like, hey, here's the four people that are just <laughs> that think like I'm an asshole. Tell him how much of an asshole I am.
0: <laughs> so these the last two things you've done TV wise, in in the in terms of what you know you said you like to do. Like the, taking the gig on Two and a Half Men was that was that something that you had a good time with that you wanted to do or that that was just an undeniable amount of bread that could be had there?
1: Um, a combo of, of several things. Yeah, so, w- I was watching the Charlie Sheen thing happen because uh, uh, yeah. I, I was watching it online. Do you know him? Uh, I do. I've met him a couple times. Yeah, and he's always been really yeah. nice to me. And um, he's funny on that show. I mean, he's been nice to me to my face. Yeah. But then in, uh, he said things that I was like, "What?" Later,
0: though, after you took the job, probably. Yeah, I yeah. think he, I think he well, was just angry about sure. things, but
1: uh, which understandably. Yeah. And um, I yeah, I was watching this thing happen. I got in yeah. the car and uh was driving. I was like, "Man," I was like, "I gotta tell you that." with what they're paying that guy, like if somebody offered me that job, I would take it. And I sort of said it as a joke, right? right? But I, I, I was talking to my old agent about it or something yeah. like uh, Adam Vennett, who was my old agent. And 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 I, I said it to him just sort of like on a, and so then I went on a fishing trip in Alaska with my dad or up, up north somewhere. And I got a phone call from my old agent. He was yeah. like, hey, were you serious when you said that? And I was like, w- why? And he goes, well, I think you could get the job. And I was like, well, listen, I'm like, I like, I don't know if I really want to, like, I'm not really sure that I want to, and then I sort of sat and I thought about it. I was just talking to my dad and I was like, I love doing sitcoms. Yeah like love, love the live audience thing. It's a, you know, when you get a laugh thing, right? It's It's a a, specific skill, yeah. Nothing better than getting a laugh from an audience that's all lavered up from a warm-up guy. And he's like, (laughs) fucking laugh, motherfuckers! (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's like, ah! And so they're all ready to laugh. But you still believe it. Yeah, and so, I and I was like, man, I really love doing sitcoms. Yeah. And at the time, um yeah uh i had daughters at home mm-hmm. and i i knew things were like a little like not great in my relationship and i wanted to work on that and with worked, miller no 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 with with to me oh that was back, and yeah I, and i wanted to work on that and i wanted to be home more right and i was like let me um let me think about it so i thought about it a little bit I talked to my dad and and then I went and met with Chuck Lorre and he seemed like a really smart guy and he had an idea for this character that I thought was really interesting, mm-hmm. which wasn't the character that I ended up, I got the script and was like, well, that's not what we talked about. But, um, but he had an idea for this character I thought was interesting and he was like, are you ready? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, this is going to be a big story and a big thing. And I was like, what's going to happen? He's going to, I mean, worst case scenario, the guy's going to shit talk me and then- then what? Right? Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, fuck it. And I just decided to do it and had a really good time and met uh, Don Rio and Jim Patterson, who ended up co-producing with me The Ranch that right. we did on Netflix. So yeah. I, we brought a bunch of the crew that was there as well. Oh, yeah. And so it was actually super fortuitous because we all ended up connecting and had a really good time making it. Um and people
0: liked it, right? You and you know, the people that were fans of the show, they
1: stayed there and and you know, you did the thing for a while. And and then and I actually went through a divorce while on that show, which is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. And you know, having a family while going through that uh I I, I needed that. Yeah. And so and those people were all there for me and supported me while I was going through that and it was phenomenal that's great yeah and true. then
0: the, and now you're still working with them.
1: uh yeah then we, well we just finished the ranch uh, that was eight seasons what was that the ranch the ranch 80 episodes we did four seasons four seasons yeah and so we, and we just finished it it was the most episodes of any show ever done by netflix
0: well yeah it was like because that three camera situation doesn't always it doesn't seem to work for them necessarily uh, but yours worked.
1: It worked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it worked. It and fun. you
0: know, you worked with people you like, and D- I saw. You know, D- I didn't watch all of them, but you know, when, was Dax in all of them, or he come in no, later? No,
1: Dax came in, in the last. I think twenty, twenty-five or something. Uh-huh. Like that. Uh huh. It was funny. I did his podcast, like one of the first episodes of his podcast, right? right. And then uh, left. I was like, you know, we're writing this character who's this, <laughs> you know, vet <laughs> for this thing. Like, you know, he comes. He's my cousin. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, <laughs> great. That yeah, he's like, I was like, I'm going to call your agent. And he's like, yeah, call him. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I was like, okay, great.
0: So it turned out. But that show is not like, it's not like two and a half men or, or the 70s show. It's a heavy, you know, you can deal with heavy shit. Yeah. It's like a combination of like comedy and drama. It was, it, it, I mean, it was, but it's like a three camera thing. Like I noticed that about acting just cause I do a bit of it now. And you seemed to, and you just said that you liked uh, doing that, the sitcom sort of acting, the three camera stuff and to, it it's a real weird kind of unique skill set to be able to deliver drama in that format.
1: Yeah, it, it, we had to figure it out um because we hadn't uh I I'd never done that before and you know you I think we figured out quickly like if they were like really dramatic scenes, yeah. Uh you could do them in front of the audience. If they were pseudo dramatic scenes, it was better to pre-tape them before we loaded the audience in. So, What's the difference? So we do a pre-tape day on Thursday with no audience. Right. Uh, and and then on Friday, we shoot in front of a live audience.
0: But pseudo-dramatic just means what?
1: Just if there were, if it was a scene that went from comedy into drama, uh-huh. the problem was the audience was so keyed into laughing oh, right. that they would get to the drama and not be able to make the transition into taking it seriously right right or or laugh because you know you had like one guy in the audience that laughed because they thought it was a joke still right but right, it right. wasn't a joke and then it would blow the take yeah and it would pull the actors out of the dramatic moment that was right. building interesting um but if it was a really dramatic scene you could shoot it in front of the audience and then you can hear a pin drop on that stage just as long
0: as it's not cluttered you know it doesn't come out of comedy yeah right oh yeah. that's interesting so so the the, sh- the the stuff that had to kind of evolve you know like there's a couple of jokes then you're all of a sudden you're into something serious you had to shoot without an audience
1: it was much harder yeah i mean we 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 just kind of had to figure out like when what were the kinds of scenes that the audience could do and do well right and then and then, oftentimes, on some of the dramatic scenes, you'd need three, four takes, and you don't want the audience to sit there and be belabored watching it three, four times. Right, right, right. right. Uh, so, it, it it was a balance that we that that we ended up figuring out, probably after like halfway into this first season.
0: And and why are you ending it?
1: Uh, the story was told.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a commendable thing.
1: <laughs> it, it, I, I, I've been hmm. on shows where you keep going. Yeah. And you keep going, yeah. And then you got a brother who's a gorilla, and you know, like I've done, I've done this stuff, right? Yeah. And so, it, it the story was told. I love everything that we did. Everybody there was still, in, you know, highly in love with each other. Yeah. We didn't have to do that thing where you know you you shoot a show for like four seasons, everybody's salary gets increased every year, right? And then you go, I don't know if we can pay this much for. You know yeah. this discipline within our crew, and so then you have to let go of people, and then hire new people to reduce the salary, yeah. so you can contain the budget. We didn't have to do that. Yeah, like, we got to the point we were able to let everybody know that this was the last season. Yeah, and that we we're going to wrap it up, so everybody had time to find their next gig. And you know, it's not like. Netflix owns the show, so it's not like there was this big syndication. No, right? There's no back end thing. Yeah, there's right. no big syndication right. boon that's going to come yeah. if we shoot two more seasons. Yeah. So, the story was told, and you don't have to beat it to death. Yeah. Good man. Well,
0: congratulations. Thank you on your life. I'm, I'm living one. <laughs> okay. Good. I don't want to don't wanna do a different one. I'll <laughs> tell
1: you that. I'll, I'll keep this one. Good talking to you, man. Likewise. Thanks, man. <laughs>
0: there you go that was Ashton Kutcher the show is The Ranch it's, the, it's finishing up now on Netflix final season is up you can go to wtfpod.com slash tour for venue and ticket information for all of my winter tour dates the few that are left the 7 or so that are coming up and uh, my special uh, End Times Fun will uh, we'll drop in March obviously I'll give you more details about that leading up to it and what else can I say? Oh wait, I I can I think I can do music. I I have a hotel room with a ukulele in it. Hold on.